Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratocast. There's quite a bit to get through with this podcast, so we're deciding to focus on one topic. Right now, if you're reading through your phone, reading through your favourite news sites, you'll start to see a flurry of news surrounding Manchester United and the ownership of the club. And This has been bubbling for weeks. Um, we've been working on a story which we published on Monday about a New York investment fund that were showing interest in buying the club. It's believed that fund have the money, they believe they have the money to buy the club. Now, that's pretty much up in the air because we don't quite know how much the Glazers are, are asking for. But we're going to get on to this, this story that we published. We're also going to talk about stories that popped up this week from Bloomberg, The Independent, um, and a few others, The Times to mention as well. I'm very happy to be joined by Sean Connolly. Sean, my co-host as per usual. Bit of a different podcast than usual. We're not going to talk about performances because they've been shit. Um, we're going to talk about the ownership, which has also been shit. Um, how are you keeping? I'm doing all right, my man. I'm doing all right. It's uh, good to be here as always. It's good to be here, but this topic is something since we started our friendship maybe two to three years ago. We've always kind of been back and forth about the way the club was being run, what are kind of what we wanted as fans. And I think they've really just taken the complete piss out of us for for 17 years now. They came in and they wanted to soak up our commercial um, value by by totally stripping the club. And now, now it, it just seems that they just use the club to strip dividends out of annually. Um, they're not interested in Manchester United on the pitch being a success. They are only interested in fleecing their own pockets. Now, do you think right now from what you're seeing online that there's a sense of a movement? I'm not saying a specific, one particular movement, but there's momentum. I do. I do. And I think that one of the largest attributing factors to this, I was speaking to someone about this earlier on, throughout their time at the club, they've always been very reactionary. And generally speaking, we have a poor season. 
they react to that by using our own money, not theirs, obviously, by bringing in, I suppose, what they would deem as suitable um, acquisitions that can help propel the club back into a top four to generate more money. There was only two seasons, I believe, throughout their their tenure and their time there that they didn't. And it was one season with uh, Mourinho and another season with Solskjaer. Now, we've just come off the back of some of the worst football I've ever seen Manchester United play at the end of last season. As well as that, we've seen an exodus of a lot of senior first-team players. We've come into a transfer market in the summer with a new manager who I can only imagine was missold a rainbow and has not been backed in any way, shape or form. The club clearly, clearly is devoid of the, the type of player that we require. We're, we're lacking in clear positions. And it's obvious to everyone. It's obvious to a 10-year-old. So to me, from a business perspective, it's blatantly obvious that there are flaws that need to be filled and they're not being filled. And that, to me, signals that maybe this is the foresight of a group of owners that are looking elsewhere and thinking that, well, this isn't our problem anymore. This is going to be this person's problem. You only have to look at something that happened earlier on this summer, which I think was a big red light. Um, Stuart Gardner from MUTV is is kind of known as a regular to people that watch preseason tours. Um, in recent years, he's always popped up on with, with programs with the likes of Paddy Crerer, and he's a regular voice. Now, he wasn't sent on tour this summer, um, and a number of the MUTV team weren't sent on tour this summer because of apparent budget cuts. This seem very very small at the time and people probably overlooked it but if you're not sending a media team on tour which you always do because of budget cuts that suggests to me that the Glazers have been looking at every shortcut possible right now um, and I'm not suggesting that that's a definite reason that to believe there's an exit plan in place but I think that the word in America certainly is that the club is for sale the word in America is certainly that the club is for sale. And you're starting to see that now with the reports. We had it on Monday about the New York Investment Fund. Now on Wednesday, you had the independent come out and say there's multiple consortiums interested in the club. You have the Times who spoke, spoke to a spokesperson belonging to Sir Jim Ratcliffe who say he's interested in buying the club. There's momentum building because I believe the club is for sale. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's no smoke without fire, is there? And... No, and another thing, sorry to interrupt, Sean, is... Mm, yeah, go for it. In, we've had these rumours in the past. We've had takeover claims in the past. We had the Red Knights who were interested, and nothing ever happened. So people listening might be asking, well, how is this going to be any different? Why should we believe it's going to be different? I don't, I, I don't know, because someone has to make a bid. The Glazers have to make a price. They're going to have to sit down and have that conversation. But the one thing that's very interesting is this story isn't being denied. In the past, claims like this, similar claims, were denied. It's not being denied this time. Maybe it will be tomorrow. We never know what the way, the way this club is with news. But thus far, it has not been denied. And you're not just speaking about a small outlet like us, Stray News running the story, which could be easily brushed aside. You're now talking about the independent you're now talking about Bloomberg. You're now talking about the Times. They're still not denying it. No, no. And given that 
every major publication is now running with more or less a cousin or a sister of the same story. Now is going to be the time when any sort of PR for the club is going to have to come out and make some sort of response because continuing to ignore this, I mean, I suppose ignorance could be classed in any sort of way because you can interpret it whatever way you want. But given the classification of the way the stature of the club is right now with the squad, with the lack of transfer activity, with the continuous ordeal off the field, culminating in Arnold, obviously, off the, off the, off, uh, down in the pub. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. I mean, you're talking about a group of people that are supposed to be good business people. And they're anything but good business people. Any sort of shrewd, half-tactile business person would realize that, you know what, if, if we give a little here, we can take more, you know? And they, they don't even have that about them. The really sad thing as well, like it's been well documented, the damages they've inflicted on Manchester United over the past 17 years. But what's really damaging too is we just hired a new manager one of the most exciting up-and-coming managers in European football, who's in his early days of management has built a rather impressive CV, winning trophies, winning consecutive league titles, playing attractive football and, and buying into this modern way of playing. We've took him from Ajax, planted him into the biggest job in football and not backed him. Yeah, There's something yeah. very, very cruel about that. And it's time, definitely time, for them to go. And another thing as well, Sean, is there's more plans this weekend for, for protests at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. Um, the 1958, again, I think are doing a really good job in making sure that there's consistent protests taking place. Um, w- w- what do you think about this? This is an important message, right? Especially this week, when you've got all these big billionaires talking about having interest in Manchester United and investment funds and whatever, which may not be the best route for Manchester United because an investment fund only wants to make money out of the club. But these protests, they can send a message, can't they, to these owners that we are extremely unhappy with these owners come in and take us out of this misery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the I, this is our football club, Dale. You know, it's not theirs. This is our football club. It's the people's football club. And the people's voice is what stands much, much t- taller than anyone else. We can, we can make a real point, And ultimately, we can make a stance against this. And this can send the message to the current owner and prospective owners of the football club. It's 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 absolutely necessary for this sort of stuff to occur. We saw what happened the last time, and obviously it ended up in the game being called off. But it's absolutely necessary, leading back and everything that we've just spoken about for the last 10 minutes. Like, our, our, our club isn't currently in a situation where it's it's bleeding or there's small issues that need to be fixed. Our club is broken. And make no mistake about that, the club is broken. As a result of that, as a result of being broken, I think for a pretty long time, I think the fan base has been broken um, into segments. I think if you look at some of the fan groups, as a result of this ownership, we've got fan groups that can't see eye to eye on certain topics. Therefore, there's no dialogue between them. And I've kind of seen a bit on social media with some of these protests, some digs being thrown across by by one fan group to another. Mm. I just think it's absolute bullshit. 
I'm not saying all the fan groups have, um, have done this or are guilty of this, but this is definitely a time where we need to be united, need to be together, need to be on the same page and put some differences aside because the bigger picture is we want to see Manchester United without the Glazers. Now, I'm not saying that any new, any new owner is going to be better because we have to realise too that there, there's, there's a lot of people out there that have the money to take over this club. Yeah. But there's not many people that will do that with that money, with their heart in the right place. Oh, yeah. And and that brings us on to the exclusive from the Times, which state that Sir Jim Ratcliffe is interested in buying yeah. Manchester United. Now, it's going to take some time for this story to develop to find out how interested he is, how much money he's willing to, to depart, who else he has on board with him. Um, but that one is promising in comparison to the investment funds right Sean because this is someone that's from Manchester is someone that is is understood to be a Manchester United fan although he wanted by Chelsea not long ago um what do you make of these Ratcliffe reports oh well I mean on paper they read tremendously fruitful we're talking about a guy that he's 69 years of age I believe Mm. I mean he's he's Lancashire born like he's the majority shareholder of a huge chemical or like group Ineos, isn't it? Mm. I mean, he's reportedly a boyhood fan of the club. Britain's richest man. He's down. Britain's richest man. Like, and he also owns Nice. Like, he owns the the Nice over in France. He, he owns, owns Nice, and he owns a Swiss a, a Swiss club. Is right. Yeah, yeah. And he also owns a cycling team. He owns the Ineos Grenadiers cycling team. And I know from my my nine to five that Ineos and cycling are like the equivalent of Manchester City in that sort of big, massive, blank check sort of. And this is a guy who's passionate about developing what he has. But fundamentally, I mean, it's reported he's a Manchester United fan. It's not so long ago he'd have been turned down for Chelsea. And I know that's all business and business is business, you know. Um, But he's reportedly a Manchester United fan. You would think he's got the the club's best wishes at heart here. He's got more money than he's probably able to count. So it can't be a situation of coming on board and trying to make more money. It's ideally a guy who's coming on board with the right intentions for the football club and trying to to fix the massive hemorrhaging that's after occurring over the last, what, 17 years. Like I said at the start of the podcast, a lot of this stuff has been bubbling for for some time. Um, Mm. That Manchester United could be up for sale. That you have Sir Jim Radcliffe interested. I think Manchester United fans on social media have been kind of issuing lots of pleas to Radcliffe. And interestingly, a lot of the stuff has been pretty silent. But we do um, have it on record. We published it tonight, which is Wednesday, that Radcliffe had a meeting with a former Manchester United player in the past week or two. Um, that player issued a plea to Radcliffe to come and save Manchester United from the Glazer family. So a lot of this, a lot of stuff is happening. There's a lot of conversations being had. Uh, and like I said, the word in America is that the, that the club is for sale. Um, Sh- Sean, ju- just, just furthermore on this, as a Manchester United fan and someone that has been going to games before the Glazers took over in 2005, tell us what it's been like watching the club in the past 17 years and the club that you grew up loving to the club that you see now that prioritizes commercial growth over on-pitch success. This couldn't be further away from the club that you fell in love with as a kid. 
felt like I fell in love as a kid. Like I I went to my first game, which was Palace in the middle of Ferguson's massive streak without a win when the club was looking in turmoil and the likes of Pete Molyneux was out with a, a rag saying Tara Fergie. And 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 as we progressed through it, like it's it, it's funny and it it, it kind of hurts me as well talking about it because it's four decades I've been going and it would appear as I'm getting quite old. But mm-hmm. as as a time has progressed, we've seen the Glazers come in and sort of in the twilight of Ferguson's time at the club. But Ferguson is an enigma in that he's the greatest manager of all time. And anybody who says otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about. The man was able to continue what it was he was doing in this massive mechanism of destruction of European football. But even at a time period when we were going for four league titles, we were going for, I believe, a third Champions League final in a row. Like things seemed as rosy as they could possibly seem. We were still protesting mm-hmm. the Glazers then. Yeah. So there's a lot of delusion from fan bases outside of United that think, and, and oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. That think, oh, this is just something you're jumping on right now. But no, we've been jumping on this when we were winning Champions Leagues. I've seen this football club go in a route that I never thought was possible. I know that football happens in cycles, particularly in a very, very strong league like the Premier League with all this team and all these money, all the money that's in these teams. So the expectation is that you're not going to have a perennial winner when you have so much competition. So the expectation would be that maybe you fall away from first, second, and you start getting into a battle for a top four. But what has happened at the football club is far beyond anything that I could have ever imagined because... I always looked at it that the club is so big and so worldwide and it, it's, it's, it's almost bigger than football that it could never fall to that level. It could never fall to a position where we could be having this conversation right now. So to see it happen has, it's, it's pained me. Like, as I said, look, the easiest way I can summarize it to you. I had my own seat and it, it took me a long time in my own personal sort of stance to be able to get my own seat over in that stadium. Mm-hmm. And they killed it for me. They, they killed the joy. It's not that I don't go because I do go, but I don't, I mean, I, out of a personal choice, I don't go as frequently as I used to because I used to go, I'd see them nearly as much as I'd see my family. And I gave that up and I and I gave it up and I gave it up with the fact that I just, just I, despite them in my own little way, it was my yeah. own little dig yeah. toward them. But they've, they've sucked the life out of my football club. And that's the easiest way I can describe it to you. They've sucked the life out of my football club. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to support them because I'll continue to support them. And as I said to someone only a few hours ago, I kind of got a bit of slack on Twitter for saying that I felt sorry for my son's generation, the 16-year-old, that I feel sorry for his generation of United support because all they have had is the Glazer generation. That's all they've had. And they're growing up in a time when their friends are supporting our greatest rivals and getting slack off them. People seem to miss the point that I was making on Twitter. It's not that they don't get to win the Premier League every year. It's the fact that all they have known is, is, is rot, is stagnation. It's a dysfunctional club. A dysfunctional football club that doesn't have a clear philosophy. A dysfunctional football club that doesn't have a message that it can send out to smaller generations and younger generations that are going to grow into our fan base that this is where we're headed. This is what we mean. There was a time period with Manchester United when a football player would look at the club and it would be, this is what I can offer this football club. But now a football player looks at Manchester United and they think, what can this football club offer me? And the greatest thing with that and the greatest point you can make about that 
is Paul Pogba been on over £300,000 a week and actually been offered an increase despite the fact he's spending half his time sitting on his arse because he's injured or at least he's, 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 he's feigning injury and he gets an offer of an increase on wages that he shouldn't be on in the first place but mm. he feels like that's not enough and this is the problem and it's been created and it's, it's an ethos that has been cultivated at the very top and it has just rotted the love of the football club. I don't want to go back too much on Pogba. You just mentioned stuff that I wanted to bring up is how that kind of epitomizes the the problem with wages and so on. But Alex Ferguson did warn mm-hmm. that his agent was a shitbag and they wouldn't give him the money that they wanted when he was when he was a teenager. So he ended up going to Juventus now. They obviously bought him back and they bought him back to break a record. Then he ends up going on a free. We, 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 we will do a separate podcast in some, at some point, maybe when the Glazers get up and leave, um, about some of the most kind of embarrassing episodes that we've witnessed the past 17 years. The Pogba deal is definitely one of them. That's why I, I kind of want yeah. to elaborate on it. Um, but there's so many of them, so many hiccups. Um, and, we had a great and, piano player at one stage, didn't we? Fucking magnificent, magnificent mm. piano player. Um, that's about all he did. But, but, but moving on, um, we have some questions that I want to get to um, sure. from from our listeners. Um, and as well as that, make sure everyone subscribes to the newsletter. You can get it at stretty.substack.com. We send out about three to four of them a week, um, sometimes exclusive news interviews and whatnot so make sure you jump on that but anyway sean first question for you kind of comes from what's being reported in the kind of transfer section of the news sites at the moment casemiro are you excited by the prospect of of landing him because when we when we spoke about rabio and you did a stunning article on him you were excited about that deal united are now pulling away um, because his wage demands are too much, but it looks like the alternative to, to Rabio was is Casemiro. Well, I mean, if if that is a deal that can be done in any way, shape, or form, which I highly doubt it is, then yes, I would be very excited about it. Like you're you're talking about a guy here that I, I say it time and time again, the greatest asset that you can have as a footballer is availability. This is a guy that played 48 times for Real Madrid last year. Mm. He played 48 times for a Real Madrid side that consists of Tony Cruz, Luka Modric. You've got that fantastic chap from um, Uruguay, was uh, Federico Valverde. You've yes. got you've got players coming in the, the 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 young lads that are coming through. You've got Eduardo Camavinga. You've got Aurelian Tushimeni. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. Too, too many, isn't it? Too, too many, too many. Um, you know what I'm talking about, anyway. I'd say too um, many, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> but this is a guy like, and like, it's not like he's he's ancient. Okay, he's he's thirty, so he's he's getting beyond the, the the like probably what you could class as his 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 prime. But then ultimately, these really smart midfield footballers, as they get older, they can sort of create a new stance on what they are. We saw what Scolzi, when Scolzi went from being an attack midfielder back to, to sitting further back. I think he's an absolute class act and he's proven that year in, year out. It's funny we were talking about Pogba because I think if you had a player like Casemiro sitting behind a Pogba, could have alleviated an awful lot of the issues that Pogba brought to the club. But this is a guy who's played for Brazil over 60 times. 
is a regular in a Real Madrid side that is absolutely stacked with Galacticos. And yeah, yeah, he's a tremendous footballer and he's a defensive midfielder. I think this, when I seen the Casemiro thing pop up, I, I, I honestly think that Ten Hag may be coming to the conclusion that if we're not going to get Frankie de Jong, that this Manchester United team is probably at such an early stage of development in terms of what he wants, that it may be too soon to bring in that kind of passer to do that job. And maybe someone that is a defensive midfielder and has that kind of profile of player is what we actually need. This midfield is far too light, Sean. And as much, oh, as, yeah. I, as, as, mu- as, much as I've been, been saying that the young sign will be is the one we want, the one the manager wants and so on, I look at that midfield, even with Frankie de Jong, I still have concerns. I'm not that's nothing against Frankie de Jong, but I think we need a bit of steel. We really lack a bit of steel. Someone that can go into games, uh, grab it by the scruff of the neck. And that's something Casemiro, I've seen him do it. He he was a fantastic player in that Madrid side under Zinedine Zidane. I don't think he's really played at those heights since, but I've seen him, he's he's been absolutely fantastic for Madrid. Do you know what's really interesting with Casemiro as well in our particular situation is the relationship that he has with Fred at the national level. Casemiro sits as that number six and Fred sits ahead of him. They have a fantastic relationship at international level. Right. Okay. Actually, I never thought, I didn't think about that. I'm forgetting about poor Fred. mm -hmm. You see, Fred plays in that sort of eight, more like an advancing eight in that Brazil side. And Casemiro does all the donkey's work behind them. But Casemiro and Fred regularly play the ball between each other. And I was looking at statistics recently. Um, not because ultimately I, I hadn't even comprehended Casemiro coming to, to Manchester United. But it was just more so I was sitting down having a coffee and I was looking at it. The range of short passes that they have between each other that actually develops the play for Brazil is huge. So if Casemiro is someone that Manchester United can bring to the football club, which I seriously doubt he is, then he would be a tremendous... Why? Why, 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 why do you doubt it? Just a matter but, of interest. Why, why do you doubt it? Well, if I'm Casemiro, I'm looking, I'm thinking, why do I want to go there? Like, I'd imagine with the length of time he's been at Real Madrid, he's probably quite friendly with Ronaldo. You mentioned Camavinga, who, who arrived at Real Madrid last year. He'll have another year behind them. They've just signed Tukamini for big mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. I know... There'll be there'll come a time where they won't have Luka Modric and Tony Cruz, but surely Casemiro will be having a look at his options there, getting into the team this year, and, and think that the World Cup coming up, it might be time to move, or maybe I'm just lo- looking for reasons that he'd want to join us. I, well, I think that might be it because if you if you look at it with Luka Modric, Luka Modric is 36 years old, and Tony Cruz is 32, so. When you're looking at the likes of Camavinga and Chumeni coming in, I think they're more so looking at that. Now, look, I'm not the manager of Real Madrid, okay? So, I don't know. Maybe they do have intentions and maybe they're saying to him, it's time for you to move on. Because I also, as well, like they do have Valverde, in, in fairness to what you're saying. And Valverde is very much of the mold of that sort of Casemiro-type player. I just... Look, if we can get him, fantastic. Brilliant. I'm just a little bit sceptical about the, the possibility of that fella leaving the allure of uh, Real Madrid to join yeah, this that. absolute ship. Yeah, let, me, let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question here. We're after getting a good one in from Twitter. How would Dale O'Donnell assess Richard Arnold so far? Is he any better than Mr. Woodward or is it more of the same? To answer how would I assess him so far, 
you'd have to say it's more of the same. Um, you would have to say it's more of the same. And as well as that, to go back on the podcast we did after Richard Aaron showed up at the pub, this mm. is exactly what I, I suggested would be the case. Um, when you make an internal appointment like this, people were very, very quick to forget that Richard Arnold had worked alongside Ed Woodward on so many deals, so many things, everything that Woodward worked on, Arnold was part of. He was part of his team. And we replaced Woodward, brought in Arnold, and people are now asking the question if it'll be any different or it'll be the same. It'll be the same. It'll be the same for as long as the Glazers are in charge. They would not hire someone that they did not deem fit for what they wanted in running at this club. Ed Woodward, in their eyes, they, they would have given him a lifetime contract if they could. They didn't want him to leave. He did a fantastic job in their eyes. But speak to any Manchester United fan and ask him for their opinion on Woodward, and it won't be a positive one. So they, they, this is the problem we've had, Sean, is we, we all sit back and we give our opinions in Manchester United on what we do. And sometimes what we would do is the wrong thing to do as well. I'm not saying that we all know what's best. But what I'm saying is there's been so many basic things down basic things down the years that you would say, what were they thinking? But it's just a matter of they don't see things like us. All they want to do with Manchester United is make money. And Richard Arnold's job is to make money for the Glazers, like Ed Woodward's job was. So will it be any different? No, I don't think so. Is that Richard Arnold giving off a different impression than Woodward? Yeah, he is. I think I think he's impressed quite a few people because he shows up to a few more events. He shakes a few more hands. He even buys you a fucking pint. You know, he's a sound chap. But re- really, is he, is he doing good for Manchester United? I don't think anyone that the Glazers put in place to do one of their jobs is a, is a good person for Manchester United, quite frankly. The only people I'm willing to support, um, and it's been the case for some time, Sean, is the manager and the players. Support all the players until they give me a reason not to. But there hasn't been a manager um, in the past 17 years, apart from David Moyes, really, that um, that I didn't support. It hasn't been because uh, you have to support your team. But these owners, they, they give you reasons to hate your football club, and, and that should never happen. Well, what I'd say to you is, with that last line, I never hate the football club. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll hate. But they, I'll yeah, hate. but they they took that football club off. Uh, no, they didn't take the football club off the the crest. That happened in two thousand and one. They didn't do that. No, no they didn't do that. But no, when that no. happened, when when that happened, that's when the football club showed showed signs of changing. Really, it's it's just it's almost something that we've just become accustomed to to dealing with. You know, it's it's something. It's like I said earlier on. I never, in my wildest dreams, fathomed that we I could be having this conversation with anybody about Manchester mm. United. Like, even with yourself, because you, I have a few years on you. You basically grew up in a time period where, when we finished third, it was a catastrophe, and it, and it, and and it was just it was one season, you know. And then we turn around and win two or three leagues in a row directly after that. Just, 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 just on that, and, and before we finish up and expectations, mm. I just want to quickly ask you a question for myself: What your expectations are right now for the upcoming season? We're after losing the first two games of the season. What are your expectations? What things going to happen? Okay, are, are are we taking this in a perspective that everything remains the way it is right now, and the owners stay there? Well, realistically, even if there's a change of owners, it's not going to change much this season, is it? Really. 
No, no. But the only thing that may change, if there's a change of ownership, it might instill some sort of mentality within the players whereby something is yeah. going to get better okay. here. Well, okay, of and, course. New owners make the place happier. That's it. Like yeah. it might, it, it'll improve morale. You would think yeah. it would improve morale. I, I honestly, from from what as things seen, stand, so yeah, as, things, as stand. things stand in terms of what the options we have in the squad right now, while also assessing the fact that we have done nothing that we need to do in a transfer market realistically, we could be looking at a bottom half of the table finish. I mean, there's nothing to suggest anything otherwise from how poor we were in the opening two games because there's no fight there. It's not, I don't even know what it is anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's guys out on the field that I don't, I really don't know what they're doing. I, I, I don't know what they're doing. If, if that there's no love in it, there's, there's no passion. I genuinely believe going into any game, like if, if we're looking at Brighton and Brentford with the very best respect to both football clubs and their fans, because they do have good fans, like in fairness to them, we should be playing them off the park. Especially a Brighton side that has just lost Yves Basuma. You know, they, they, they've lost what was considered their linchpin in the hole. And they played us off the park with Adam Lalana inside in the centre midfield. And I just, I look at it that it's like one of those old adages that I think it's going to get worse before it gets any way better. And I don't even know what better would be this season. I, I, I can't see, the, with, the, with the current setup. The way it is with our with the players and the squad that we have available, we'll we'll be lucky to hit tenth. Yeah, I've I've said it to someone the other day that this season right now I I don't think I ever had lesser expectations when it comes to sporting Manchester United. And you you spoke about when when I was growing up, the third place would have been seen as you know a disaster. Yeah. Like every season, it was I I when I came to expectations, I I fully expected Manchester United to, to win the league. Yeah, fully like I would expect, and I'm sure everyone else listening knows what I'm talking about. But now that just seems the thought of that seems totally foreign to me. It's a million miles, million years away from ever thinking that we've the the right to win the league before a ball is kicked. But just before we wrap up, and you mentioned, you know, interestingly about the morale of the ownership, I think that it has a massive bearing on what we're seeing. I mean, when you look at these performance we've seen this season I'm getting to the stage where I find it hard to criticize these players Sean even though it's really really bad I look at these players I look at these players I look at the fans and how angry we are at false promises do you think those players have have been felt or fed false promises I know they have by those owners by this football club that have promised the likes of Bruno Fernandes when they sign new contracts that we're going to be back competing with Man City and Liverpool. And people can point out and reply to this and say, Bruno Fernandes has been shit for the past 12 months. Okay, fair enough, he's been off the boil. But this sense of mediocrity breeds. When Bruno Fernandes came to Manchester United, he lifted us. And how many months did it take for that to cool off? About 12 months. In that time, we hardly strengthened the team. And these players are getting fed up of being blamed every week for poor performances. And I've also heard as well a, a, a number of them, not just Cristiano Ronaldo, who everyone's focusing on, have asked to leave in the past few months. Well, let me put Place, something else to you. The club, the club is an absolute mess. And I've gotten to the stage, Sean, sorry, gotten to the stage where I'm over, I'm over, over analysing performances. I'm over giving out every week saying, 
what, why did Maguire do this? Why did De Gea do this? They do it every week. The confidence is low. They can't build that confidence because of the way the club is. Yes, but with respect that they're valid points. But this is the same Bruno Fernandes who has made it his point on multiple occasions to, to go out of his way to applaud the support, be it home or away. Mm-hmm. So he might be frustrated with his workplace. He might be frustrated with his employer and a lack of promises being delivered. He still has 75, 80,000 people coming there to see him play, coming there, cheering him on, chanting mm-hmm. him, spending their money. Yeah. Right? We're not as well off as these lads. You know, especially the likes of us that are traveling overseas to go and see them. We're not no, as yeah, well No, I totally and, and, get and the, point. The, but the, the point that I'm making is I understand what you're saying, but I don't think the players are free of blame because the players can be annoyed and they can be missold promises and that's perfectly fine. But the players still have a responsibility. They're still oh, being paid. Yeah, and as well as that, there's, there's a number of players that I think that, that, that I wouldn't be protecting here. There's a number of players in the past year that have behaved appallingly. And I've met issues. But what, what I'm also saying with this point is I think the larger picture, a lot of these players are on the same page as the fans. And a lot of these players that are on the same page are getting peltered by the fans when really we're on the same page. We're just fed up. Manchester Marcus United Rashford. Football club. What does he look right now? People might say that doesn't look interested. He looks fed up. Fed up. I think he's heartbroken, to be honest. So are you? Yeah. We're on the same page. This is yeah. what I'm saying. It's a lot of these players that they are getting so much stick and I don't think they all deserve it. I know they're not playing well. I know a lot of them are putting in bad performances. We lost our first two games of the season. But I'm saying Manchester United as a football club just looks fed up. It's a, it's a dead cat on a, on, on a street. It, it, it does. But and, and while I'm not contradicting myself and using Rashford as an example... Rashford has the ability to be able to change that. He can't change what's going on behind the scenes, but he can change the mm-hmm. portions on a football field. And that's mm-hmm. why I won't give them a pardon. Even though I can understand yeah. what you're saying, I won't give them a pardon on it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think play these. I don't think any footballer should be given a pardon on shit performances. I'm just saying that something, you're right. There's something, we need a lift. We need a big, big lift. Sean, thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. Um, Pleasure, on a little bit about the Glazers and that, and we don't really know exactly until that bid is made, until that bid is accepted, and then we can be a little bit happier depending on who it is. But um, right now, I think the message is that momentum is building, and if you're around Manchester on Saturday, whether you have a ticket or, not, or on Monday, sorry, whether you have a ticket or not, please make an effort to go to the peaceful protest before the game. Let's, if you're there, let's make a stand that show the whole entire world what, what we want the Glazers out. And hopefully, like Sir Jim Radcliffe, maybe with a few friends that he has at Manchester United, might get together and and give us the change we want. Sean, how can people follow you on social media and follow those brilliant threads of yours? Uh, at Sean Connolly 85 Sean with an S-H-A-U-N. Brilliant. You can follow Cast on Twitter and Shreddy News. Subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Acast. And we'll be back again before the Liverpool game. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.